Wow, that was so good. It was so good that I think we should do a sink so that you can <laughs> cut around it. I forgot about the sink. <laughs> Let's do that now. Yep. All right. Three, two, one, sink. sink. And that, listeners, is how we sync up the show every week. <laughs> I'm not cutting around it. What do I look like? Someone who cares? Uh, hello and welcome to the... Sp- <laughs> hello and welcome to the Spin-Off Doctors. I'm, I'm your movie boy, Jim Sterling, and I'm joined by my movie boy, Conrad Zimmerman. Hello. Hello. How are you, how are you this fine morning? I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm very tired. And uh-huh. that's probably due in no small part to having just watched Hitman. It's got that effect. That was the first thing I did this morning. Well, actually, because this was... We didn't even plan the timing of this. Uh, but this is also... The day we record is the day that Hitman Episode 1 uh, has been released by Square Enix. So I've... I've It's been nothing but Hitman. I watched the first half of the Hitman movie this morning. Because uh, I do everything last minute because I'm a piece of shit. And then the Hitman thing had finished downloading. And I wanted to get that recorded so it would go up today. So I stopped the film and then played that for an hour and a half. And then went back to the film. So it was this weird, like, Hitman between two bits of Hitman sandwich that I had for my breakfast. Um, and a it provided A Hitmanwich! Yes! Uh, and it provided no nourishment. The game, actually, the game's pretty alright. I like the game so far. It's It, it looks like a real, uh, what what fans would call a return to form. Um, but the film, the film was, was not a return to anything except after, well, after the Street Fighter one we did last episode, it is a return to fairly disappointing films. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, there's, there's a lot... Of just what the fuck, I think, in this movie. It doesn't explain its story particularly well. I think it places demands on the viewer that uh, shouldn't be placed uh, on the viewer for a film that's kind of as dumb as this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Before we go into plot, uh, what is your experience with the Hitman series as a whole? Uh, I've, well, I've played a lot of them. Um, yeah. I've, I've reviewed a couple uh, for Destructoid, um, Absolution, I did a review for that, and, uh, I think another one, I can't remember, but, I mean, I like the series, uh, I, I, I like the tone, and the, yeah. the characters of, uh, 47 and, and Diana, and their relationship, I always find to be kind of interesting, um, and, you know, I, I like shadowy conspiracy stories, uh, in my games, I find that they're, it's it's a good medium for those types of tales, so yeah, yeah. that's that's fine. Yeah, it ticks a lot of the good boxes. Uh, I, it, I like stealth, so that works. Um, the the variety and open design uh, in allowing you to sort of come up with your own approach for things that, that was always something that really resonated. So there's a I've got a lot of love for Hitman actually, um, which you know makes I don't know that it made the film sting. Yeah, it, I mean, it couldn't have helped. It just yeah, it, it couldn't it, have helped. It didn't do anything for any of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm someone who does not have um, too intimate a familiarity with the Hitman games. Um, most of my experience came from playing demos and being terrible at those demos um, because I can't play that game to save my life. Um, in but I enjoy. It. I love what I love about about it is its open endedness. Is its um, multiple approaches to a problem. And just how 
freeing that is, but also how restricting that is, because um, the more freedom you have, the more rope you're given to hang yourself with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I'm relearning coming back to and playing the new Hitman game, um, or sort of episode one of the new Hitman game, or whatever it is Square Enix wants to do this week with it. Um, I'm, I'm relearning just how that goes, just... Uh, yeah, you can you can approach it any number of ways, but you can also fuck yourself over any number of ways in doing it, um, and and that's something I I really admire about the series, and certainly I'm admiring in the new one is is just how good it is at doing that, and and because I know some fans were disappointed by Absolution, uh, and and this one definitely feels like they're trying to really go back and, and recapture what people love about Hitman. Um, and, and as someone who's relatively... Uh, I, I would call myself, I guess, a newcomer to the series in that my experience up until now has been very um, very uh, 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 disconnected, very brief. Um, yeah, I I, I... I can't have... I, I, I won't say it stung, the movie, because I don't have that familiarity, but it... Not being a uh, uh, experienced fan of the games didn't help me enjoy it more. I'll say that much. Um, it did. It's it. It is objectively not a fun movie to watch, no matter what your level of expertise is with Hitman. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's that's pretty much the best way to sum that up. The <sighs> just it. You spend a lot of the movie going, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, it never gives you enough to really get a grip on things and then let it carry you along for the ride. Yeah, I've got, I've definitely got criticisms about that, um, which obviously, you know, we'll save for after the plot analysis. Um, but yeah, there are, from the outset, the movie is fast paced uh, in, in, in all the wrong ways. Uh, and, and, as you say, it puts a lot on the viewer uh, to kind of fill in the holes that the film leaves. It's it's one of those films that kind of benefits from having video game fans watch it, but at the same time, that that doesn't make for a good film because if you need to prop yourself up on the licensed material, then why are you even a movie? Just let the people enjoy the games. Yeah, uh, that... It, that... There's there is a lot of, of of reference to Hitman, but not necessarily a lot of faithfulness to it. So yeah, yeah. it doesn't really it doesn't effectively leverage the license uh, in a way that makes a good movie. It just throws things that are esque, and it and it happens right from the very beginning, like from from moment one. It, there's just something, it's just a little bit off, and it doesn't, and it's not appealing yeah. in any way. Yeah. It doesn't make it any, it, it isn't interesting. It needs that connection to those ideas, I think. Or there's nothing to what follows for the next 93 minutes. Well, I mean, I guess we can talk about what happens in the, in the next 93 minutes uh, if we discuss the plot. How does that sound? That sounds... Delightful. Is that tempting? Okay, let's uh, let let's go through. Uh, let's relive uh, Hitman, the two thousand seven version. Uh, 
As the Ave Maria plays over credits, we are shown brief seeds of a bald child being tattooed with a barcode, and more bald children in classrooms, and undergoing martial arts training, and indoctrination, and firearms training, and some sort of medical regime, all performed with the involvement of a priest and a nun. Now, cut to a rainy night in a suburban neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, let's, let, let's just say right now, that's the entirety of the backstory of the film. Yeah, yeah. In, I, in those three minutes I or, make or less. It, I want to make it clear that I didn't leave much out. No. You pretty much described exactly what happens and, and what exactly constitutes the entire explanation of the backstory of the film. Well, well, I, I'd argue that, but we'll get there in a second, I guess. Um, so, rainy night in a suburban neighborhood. Interpol agent Mike Whittier returns home to find a dead body and a bald man in a suit holding him at gunpoint. Yeah, Timothy Oliphant. The we, gunman. We, one of the best names. Who in... we will refer to as the hitman. <laughs> yes. If only because the other one later on I want to refer to as the shit man. <laughs> I'm going to do it because we're not given a name to call him at That's... all. That's true. Yeah, he keeps that close to his chest the whole time. For about 75% of the film. Now, yeah. you can find this information out if you, like, pause the film at just the right moment to, to see a name. But you'd have to know where to look. You back. Now, let me tell you, it's far more work than anyone should put in to verify the fact that, yes, you could learn yeah. his name before that. And something tells me. I'm not me. suggesting anyone do it. Something Take tells it me. People that were unfamiliar with the games were not sitting here watching that film for the entirety of its run going, What's his name? No. I've got to know! But it drove me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that all of this shit would happen between these people and no name, and it took that long for a name to, you know, just something to call them. Like, yeah. how do you not have the conversation, so what do I call you? Mm-hmm. In the first... Not hey, even uh, a nickname. Like, in The Force Awakens, they get a name for Finn within a minute of meeting him. Because names are important. You can't just say the bald bloke with the, the tie. Especially when film. later on in the film, there's five <laughs> bald blokes with ties. So anyway, the hitman is the hitman at the bloke's house. He explains that he's not there to kill Whittier, but to talk. But that killing him and his family is clearly not off the table. And the hitman asks him, how does a good man decide when to kill? Flashback to three months earlier in Niger. Now, is your head spinning yet? Like, (laughs) just curious. Yeah, by this point, I, I I was taken aback with just how, just how quickly the film was rushing through everything. Like it was rushing to set itself up so much and forgetting. Like there was so much left on the table that by this point, if I didn't have even the terse familiarity I have with the series of games, I would be wondering why the hell I'm expected to be invested in any of this. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't see any reason. I think that, that this this was designed solely to appeal to a very to to a youth demographic, probably. Yeah, 
but, uh, you know, who had some familiarity with the games and would therefore be relied upon. I think that was, that was entirely the bet. Um, but we get a flashback to three months earlier in Niger. As, uh, and, and here's where we get the requisite expositional voiceover. Uh, that we have to have in all of these fucking movies. <laughs> Video game movies, they, they really haven't mastered the art of show, don't tell. Not at all. Uh, and it, it, as, as the hitman in voiceover explains the existence of the organization, not the agency, and I want to make that abundantly clear. Mm-hmm. They're called the organization in hitman. A secret group unaffiliated with any government that trains orphaned children to become master assassins. Oh, yeah, I did forget that he did do this explanation. Yes, you are, yeah, okay. And that Whittier has been chasing the most talented agent for the last three years. Very arrogant of him to say so himself. Yeah, I know, where's the humility? I guess they don't train them in that. No. You know, they don't train them in courtesy. Uh, so a local warlord is making an example of a thief that his men have captured by cutting off his limbs. And he observes that there's something wrong with his voice. And I'm guessing this because he's not, like, screaming the way he expects him well, to. Well, he sounds like a Transformer. Okay. He had this weird, like, like robotic quality to his voice. Yeah, I guess I guess that's, yeah, that's accurate. But he's got stitches on his, on his on neck. On his neck bit, yeah. And so the guys, all you know, it was men like, what, what did you do to him? And they're like, well, he didn't do anything. He just came to us like this. And, you know, we didn't catch him. He was caught by an American contractor who, it turns out, is the hitman. The hitman. Who made the thief swallow C4, turning him into a bomb, which explodes, kills the warlord. And that's why he's the best. Speaking with the authorities in Niger... Whittier recognizes the killing as the hitman's work and puts a pin in a map of the world with lots of other pins in places where he thinks the hitman has killed before. Exactly. Bearing in mind that the hitman, um, being uh, uh, an improviser and uh, someone who tailors his killings very specifically to the situation and the, 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 the target, has no traceable M.O. None. None. And somehow <laughs> this guy... Who has never seen him, heard his voice, has proof of his existence, by his own admission says he's a ghost, <laughs> thinks this is all the work of one man. And we never get the proof that it's all the work of one man, especially because the organization has a lot of the hitmen. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I Me- think that Interpol made, age, like, guy was off his fucking rocker. We're, we are only beginning to scratch the surface of shit that does not make sense in this movie. <laughs> Meanwhile, at a bar in St. Petersburg, the hitman is drinking scotch in a hotel bar and has an awkward exchange with a woman who attempts to flirt with him by criticizing the abundance of ice in his drink. Yep. When she asks his name, he excuses himself. This is not only an unnecessary scene, but one that's counterintuitive to the direction they really should have been taking this character. Because with Bumbling the, Lothario. Yes, they, 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 
they set him up as having these awkward interactions uh, around women so as to make the later relationship a love interest, you know, implication. Yeah. And this is the wrong call for so many reasons. I tell you why, for me, it was the wrong call. It's because I didn't think to myself, ah, he has problems with women. I thought to myself, ah, why doesn't the world's best hitman have a fucking alias? (laughs) Why does he have to make an excuse to leave whenever anyone asks his name? How does he infiltrate, like, like, a place? Like, if he's trying to kill someone, like, working as a guard in an Air Force base, and everyone's like, what's your name, Sergeant? He's like, Sergeant, I... I've got to go over there for a second. Have have a have a couple of fake names. Have three. It's Call, tell her your name's John. Sorry. Yeah, I, no, sorry. No, no, you're right. You're right. And that makes total. It's not. It's not. It's see. That's what I mean. There's multiple reasons because the reason I think it's dumb is that, that there's no need. There's no need. Like, here's yeah. the thing. I mean, to be fair, that's a criticism we could have for the entire film's existence. Hitman derives a lot of um, inspiration from, you know, film, clearly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as a game. And, uh, and, and definitely in later years, uh, certainly around the time that the 2007 Hitman is coming out, you know, because we're post-Blood Money... There's a a Leon the professional vibe, right? That that runs through it, and they try to put that into this film, but they don't make him a cool enough customer, and it no. makes no sense considering his, his character history and background. He's clearly later in the film we'll see him be very very competent in social situations. And yet, it just doesn't make sense. It just, yeah. It just, yeah. Uh, so he excuses himself. Oh, God, I love this. Walking down the hall, he pauses to put his hand into an ice dispenser before heading to his room. Now, you know, and I know, and everybody in that theater knows that he has put a gun in there. Right? Right. But we never see the gun at all. And so then it just becomes confusing. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because this is the beginning of, of they're, they're showing him preparing for every eventuality and right. protecting him while he's in a hotel room and all this stuff. So, but it becomes, it, you know, it, 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 if <laughs> it's not, why did he put his hand in the bucket of ice? It's why did the director feel the need to show him putting his hand in the bucket of the ice that way? Yeah. So <laughs> that it looks like he's just thinking, fuck you woman at the bar. I'll have as much ice as I want. He goes down the hall. And outside the door to his room, he sprinkles some little clear balls. And inside, he affixes a bomb to the door. I'm not going to hit my microphone again, I promise. That's fine. Go for it. Hit it as many times as you like. Oh, (laughs) okay. 
trying to get people to stop listening. Well, then we won't have to watch any more Hitman films. <laughs> <laughs> so he affixes a bomb to the inside of the door. He ties yep. a rope to the balcony railing. And he does it really sadly. Yeah, it's very morose. As if we're thinking, oh, look at what he has to do. Like He, he could hates have been, it. He, he could have been nailing that woman at the bar, but no. Yep. Gotta set up my trap. Yeah, because he couldn't think of a name quick enough. It happens to me every time. Yeah. I, I need to start writing names down. I, I reckon when he put the rope down and was tugging it, sadly, he just thought, Stan. I could have said I was called Stan. Oh, well, off to bed. After a, after a lonely, tear-fueled wank. Thank God I put my hand in that bucket of ice. I can pretend it's someone else's hand. <laughs> Oh, he does take a shower, so that could be what he's doing in there. Oh, he is pounding it in there. <laughs> pounding off in the nighttime. Because he's just rubbing his bald head with yeah. the other hand. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's the noise he makes. Stan. Damn it. Stan. 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 Hit Stan. <laughs> After his shower, yep. he's toweling off. The hitman contacts his handler, Diana who tells him that his next target, Russian President Mikhail Belikov. Now, that's a big mark. Yes. Like, that's a big touch. I mean, he's the best in the world. A ghost. So, clearly, it's not too difficult for him. No. But the, that's the scale that we're talking about here. This is the President of Russia. That's how epic and globally affecting... The events in this story are supposed to be. <laughs> Keyword supposed. Please bear that in mind going forward. Yes. We are talking about global catastrophe, spinning the world off its axis, shock, horror, worldwide intrigue. <clears throat> he must be Makes killed. the shit that goes on in House of Cards look like someone's fucking birthday party. <laughs> the... Target now must be killed earlier than previously planned. And it must be done in public. And this is at the client's request. And he also learns, after accepting these new parameters, that Belikov has a brother, Udre, who is an arms and drug trafficker sought after by the CIA and the Russian secret police, the FSB. <clears throat> so... Hitman kills Belikov and one of his bodyguards with a sniper rifle as the leader's being interviewed for television. Yes. He makes good his escape, blowing up his sniper rifle before he leaves, but at the airport he's prevented by, from leaving by a message from Diana who informs him that there's a witness to the assassination who must be eliminated before she can be collected by Interpol and gives him a location where she is going to be picked up. The hitman finds her and reaches for his gun, but stops when she looks at him and has no visible sign of recognition. Then, a man's head explodes from a bullet fired by a hitman, as opposed to the hitman. Yep, this one I call the shitman. With a sniper rifle situated on a nearby roof. In the ensuing chaos, the girl gets into a car and is driven away, while the hitman escapes, and the other hitman seems frustrated. Or, I'm sorry, the shitman. Yes. Who, apparently, despite having all the same training, can't hit a man walking very, very slowly and boldly. Well, he's old. 
You know, his reflexes probably are not what they used to be. Why send him? Why send your oldest hitman <laughs> against your best hitman? Well, maybe, you know, maybe he's the second best hitman because of all of his experience. You can't even shoot a guy. I, you know, I will... I, I realise I, I will be here all day if I pick holes in everything, so I will... Well, no, no, but but I we can, we can talk about the shitman here for a second because I, I really appreciate his existence in his presence in this film. Because it shows, uh, one of the things that, that the, the hitmen, if you will, uh, have, you know, no, no, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. We'll get to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little tease for you. Fair days. Can't wait. <laughs> so Whittier's discussing the assassination of Belikov with his partner, uh, who is, uh, he's a French actor. He's quite good. Uh, I can't remember his name now, and that's terribly professional of me. Uh, but he was in a American reboot of a French series called Taxi. Or, or it's, the, it's a TV series based on the French film Taxi that the American movie Taxi was made some years ago based on. Right. Right. Uh, it was on NBC. It lasted one season. It was called Brooklyn Taxi. It was not well-received. It was not well-viewed. He was charming. Anyway. Uh, they're having this conversation about the assassination uh, attempt on Belikov, which we learn is being said was unsuccessful. Uh, but Whittier has his doubts based on the video. Yes, the very publicly available video where we clearly saw his head blown off. Well, we don't see his head blown off. What we see is a guard being utterly sprayed with what one would likely suspect is the sum total contents of a head. True, true. Basically something that anybody could look at and think that's a bit off when we when they next see Belikov who's alive. So, but, but, you know, this keen investigative mind, he sees something is amiss. Yep, he's the only one who can. In this, in this film's world, he's the only one who finds it odd that a guy's entire head is sprayed over a bodyguard's face and the next time we see him he's got a tiny little band-aid on his face he then receives a call from someone saying that soviet security now has a photo of the hitman back in the hotel the hitman contacts diane who tells him that his mission has failed showing video of a wounded belikov in a recent press conference with a tiny band-aid on his face it's on his forehead it's like oh i got a boo-boo I just got grazed, and that's why all of my blood was on that bodyguard that you all saw. How, if I was that, if I was Belikov, I would actually be saying, like, on camera, how have you not seen through this? I'm not that clever. You're just that dumb. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) The hitman demands to know the identity of the client, but's met with silence. Meanwhile, Witcher meets with FSB agent Yuri Markov, played by Robert Knepper. I like him. Always, I, I always like him wherever I find him. He winds up playing a lot of Irish guys, but for whatever reason, this time he is Russian. Yes. He's got rage. Yes. He's preparing to raid the hotel and capture the hitman against Witcher's warnings. As the military moves into position, the hitman gets a call from Diana on the phone, who, acting against orders, informs him that the hit on Belikov was contracted by... Belikov. He's then alerted to the military presence by the balls outside his door. Yeah, they stepped on his balls and he knew they were there. 
He grabs the rope tied to the rail, jumps out the window as they break down the door, setting off the bomb attached to it, and swings on the outside and re-enters the hotel through a window on the floor below, startling two teenagers who are playing Hitman. That's the music that I'm going to play. Whenever one of these films has characters playing the game of the film. They are, they do not have the appropriate reaction to this event. They seem more like just slightly annoyed that their game got interrupted. The hit game from IDOS. they, They look at each other with the expression of excitement one would attribute to if the Kool-Aid man came through the window, right? Not a dangerous looking bald dude wearing a suit. Yes. That, that's, or he's not, I guess he's in a, a yeah, he was kind he's of, in he a dress in, shirt and he was in his trousers shirt now. Yeah. And he didn't have any shoes on, which reduces the threat level. Oh yeah. Yeah. That makes it seem a whole lot better. <laughs> that observation. But they just sort of gape at each other. Yep. And then look at their TV. Like well, they want to get back to the they want to get back to the hit new game from IDOS. <laughs> Making his way to an ice machine, the hitman re- acquires his dual pistols. This should be noted. This is not the same ice machine. <laughs> Implying he's put them in every ice machine in the hotel and won't be coming back for them. There are multiple ways. That you could be like, oh, he prepared for this, right? Because they showed him putting his hands into an ice machine, right? And then he goes on to his room, right? Yeah. And the implication, the inference when they show you that is that he's on the same floor, right? Yeah. Which then, you know, it's like, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. He's on the floor below and he's going to the ice machine to get his guns. So... Oh, but, but, you know, they don't clearly show an, a continuous shot of him as he, you know, goes around the corner of the hall yeah. and then to the room door. All so, this would have been solved. So maybe this was on the lower floor, right? He put, yeah. you know, and, and we, they just didn't show him going up a floor, but he's that dedicated, that prepared. And you could write that off. That would work if it weren't for one small problem. The ice machine... On this lower floor, yep. has a front-loading door. <laughs> different, different machine. Completely different machine. Different ice machine. This would all have been solved, uh, uh, solved if they just hadn't shown him putting his hand in an ice machine. Exactly. Because at this point in the film, we could take it as read that he'd have a gun in an ice machine. Yeah, we've seen. We already know he's. Yeah, we've seen all the preparations. We know he's the best agent. It's like, oh, of course he's got a fucking. It's but they thought we were too fucking stupid, and we'd go, oh, and instead did something that makes us go, oh. It's just amazing. And then he leans up against a wall and crosses his guns over his chest to peek around a corner. Yep, just so that he looks like a a hitman game cover. I. Because nobody would ever do that, right? There's, there's no reason ever to do that. I, I was just trying to think, is there some secret practical reason I'm not thinking of to strike that pose? Two itchy shoulders and he didn't <laughs> want to put his guns down. 
<laughs> it, it, maybe if he was a mummy. There you if go. He, if he was a hitman slash mummy or vampire count. He kills a couple of soldiers and slides down an elevator shaft, landing atop a car filled with soldiers who he kills all from the hatch, just plugs bullets all through it and directs the elevator to the first floor, but climbs back up to the third but is still ultimately chased by a witch here before escaping through a window to a river. It is a really complicated, like, chase-escape scene for something in which very little happens. Yeah, again, another situation where they could have just done a lot less and it would have been a lot better. Yeah, yeah, just, I mean... Well, I mean, they had to get their Hitman game in there. Yeah. Right? And so everything... Because, I mean, it could have ended with him just jumping out the window. They could have put his his room next to the river. He could have jumped out the window. Problem solved. He's escaped. But then you don't get your Hitman game in there. Yeah. And you got to get yeah. your Hitman game in. Right? All about that Hitman game. So everything that follows him jumping out that window is in service to showing Hitman game. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he, he somehow is able to walk yes. into any shop in Russia... And walk out with a fully tailored suit and murder gloves. Yes. Because he it, walks barefoot, presumably without a credit card. Walks barefoot into... For a film that shows us everything, the fact they didn't show him with a wallet, I can only assume he didn't have a wallet. And somehow walked into a shop barefoot well, it's, and it's came sh- out with a full suit. It's a shop that accepts wire transfers from Swiss bank accounts. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. Those are all over Russia. Yeah, and as soon as they say, what's your name, sir? He just leaves. (laughs) He just leaves with the clothes and no one stops him. Meanwhile... Because the film showed us. Because this film shows and never tells. This film exhaustively shows us every detail of what the hitman does. We know he never gives a name. So he must have had a pocket full of thousands of dollars of cash. (laughs) This is the only way. He could have gotten new shoes and a coat and a suit and murder gloves in a very expensive looking place. In the burned out hotel room, the SFB scientist accidentally destroys the hitman's computer trying to inspect it. And Witcher is sad, but he has the hitman's luggage filled with his organization branded gadgets. He and Markov debate the allegiance of the hitman. And Markov attempts to claim jurisdiction on intelligence grounds. Whittier counters by pointing out that something's wrong with Belikov's survival because of a tampered photo and the fact that the hitman doesn't miss. Indeed. This hitman who, again, this is the first time he's ever met him. Right. Speaking of the hitman. Yes, the hitman, who we should point out is dressed exactly like the people trying to kill him expect him to look like. Yes. He could have picked any clothing options. At that point. Well, you and know, he chose to dress in the most recognizable manner possible. He wanted to be comfortable. I mean, that outfit, yeah, that, that suit looks really, really comfortable. It does look nice. Actually, it is a really nice suit. I would wear it's that. The, it's the gloves that sell it. Yeah, I'm you're a big, right. big glove fan. Gloves with a suit works You? Wait, you? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Huh. I would not have guessed. It's a little known factoid about me. I also... Get awkward and walk away from women if they ask my name in a bar. Presumably in that fantasy scenario. 
so speaking of the hitman, after he gets his change of clothes, he somehow finds the apartment where Nika, the woman he'd been told was a witness, happens to be. Yes. I, it, it, not clear how he knows where this is. Is it the same place where he saw her before? He's a ghost. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I just... I've, I this, went... this this film becomes a lot more like easy to swallow if you believe every time he's referenced to as a ghost, Whitty as being literal. I just I went back and forth, back and forth in this section several times. Like, did they ever explain in any way how why he's here? No. Like how he wound up no, here? You, you need to know how he got a gun in an ice chest, but you don't need to know how he found a plot critical character. Uh, he kidnaps her. I say plot critical. He kidnaps her with a subtle flower delivery ruse, which you one could argue is probably. I mean, if it weren't such an obvious thing from so many other films, you could say is a hitman reference. Hey, just, it's a just, classic for a reason. Yeah, you know. Um, she recognizes him from earlier in the day, and he puts her in the trunk of his car with a corpse. Yes. At a new location, the hitman interrogates the woman who is Belikov's girlfriend, and learns that the president has body doubles. But the hitman is confident that the person he killed was the real Mikhail. And I, yes, I, I've tried to come across with real McCoy there, the, the Russian... It's, 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 yeah. I was sure the joke wouldn't land, which is why I explained it. Uh, he considers killing Nika, but decides against it when he sees her facial tattoo of a dragon and learns that Belikov was physically abusive toward her. And yes. instead pumps her for information about Belikov's brother, Udre, who is wanted by the death SB and CIA. Yeah, and he's very barely mentioned. And he decides to take Nika with him, pointing out that Belikov pretty much wants her dead. Yeah. Uh, now, Whittier inexplicably determines that the hitman will travel deeper into Russia by train. For, there's no reason to suspect this. It's yes. a point of I mean, view that's argued against. But again, we demonstrated that he has a a a an investigative mind, an insight that clearly everybody else in this world lacks. Yes, yes, he is basically Kyle MacLachlan, <laughs> more or less. I mean, it's the only way to explain it. Like he's never this Agent Dale Cooper yeah, of Interpol. Like... It's the only way to accept it's um, fucking the hitman that got Diane. <laughs> it's there's no other way to explain it other than he's got uncanny, potentially supernatural investigative abilities. <laughs> like he tries to fix himself up as the the Javier to the Jean Valjean. Right. But he doesn't know this man. <laughs> no, not, not at all. He's just got a bunch of completely unconnected murders. <laughs> I've got to stop thinking about it. It's going to upset me. It's going to upset me. <coughs> anyway, he magically intuits what the hitman is going to do. Right, heads, heads to a train station, and he's right for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> and he's hit, that good. The hitman disguises himself as security, but's given away by his back of head tattoo when the other hitman, shitman, yeah, you know, sees it because he's there too for some reason. And Why the don't they ever give the agents wigs? I don't know. I, 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 I think it's reasonable to debate the practicality of putting that tattoo in that place regardless. Right. Put it on the gooch. <laughs> put it 
Well, I don't know. I mean, you want it somewhere that's going to be convenient for you to be able to tag if you know where it is, but not, you know, out for the world to see all the time. The back of the head, especially if you're going to make them all be bald, not yeah, practical. It's, it's nonsense. Put it on, on the chest. Put it on the upper yeah. back. And this know? isn't just a criticism of the of, of the films. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, yeah no. I, I, I was playing the game earlier and just constantly looking at the barcode bald head and thinking, like, get get that man a wig. Yeah, yeah, no, this is a, a criticism of the whole of Hitman. I know it looks badass, but what the fuck? Like, yeah. how dumb are these people? Like, but then, considering the the world they live in, well, Ortmeier, they're still a step above. Maybe Ortmeier never expected Forty Seven to escape, so it was irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, uh, so anyway. Yes. I mean, it doesn't explain how how these monks did the same stupid thing. That, that's all I'm saying. It's a, yeah. It's a dumb place for the barcode tattoo. As if there were a good place for a barcode tattoo. Hey, kids, run out. <laughs> get yourself a barcode tattoo. Yeah, Show me where you got your barcode tattoo. No one wants skulls and shit or snakes anymore. It's all about barcode tattoos on the back of your stupid fucking head. And, you know, if there was ever a time for barcode tattoos, it was about ten years, seven at most, before... The Hitman movie. Yeah. 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 I think we were past, I think we were past peak barcode. Yeah. Yeah. It had its time in the sun. People want dank memes tattooed on them now. That's right. The barcode is neither dank nor a meme. <laughs> More's the pity. I don't even know what I'm talking about this book. <laughs> Uh, so I was worried we wouldn't have stuff to talk about with this one, oh, no, but we, we really have, have found plenty of bollocks There's, to go through. There is a, it's a deep well, Hitman. Uh, so the movement of Shitman catches the eye of Whittier, while the Hitman gives everyone the slip. And everyone. Then, He's that good. He's the best. And then the FSB shows up. And that's, that's it for them. Like, they just show up, and they make everyone nervous, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because uh, the hitman is wandering around what seems to be an abandoned platform, but turns out shitman's onto him, and mm. he's creeping up from behind. And uh, hit the hitman beats up shitman, shoots him a couple of times for chasing shadows to a platform under construction with a train car. And in the train car, he finds a black hitman, and then two other hitmen out to collect the contract on the hitman. Yeah. Matt, I would just like to say I do appreciate uh, the organization's uh, pro-diversity policy. Oh, yeah, yeah. They Everyone's represented. Everyone's represented. And this, that was the thing that I appreciated so much about Shitman, is that they're not, there's no gender bias, or there, there's no age bias. Yeah. There is a gender bias. There is bias. a gender bias. There is a gender bias, and that's unfortunate. When will the organization learn? Well, you know, we just, we need to have an assassin come along that's there to... to you know, break the glass ceiling yeah. at the organization uh, with with her shiny bald head. That would be a strong head. look. You get Sinead O'Connor with a barcode and a, a red tie and a suit, like, that's a strong look. That would be good. That would be that good. That is strong. Show, show us your female agents. That'd be good. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Mm, I'm going to do a... I am going to do a, a Google search after we're done with this. 
dirty boy. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, we're coming up to the best scene of the film. Right, so... It's so funny. It's the only bit that I was entertained by because of how stupid the, this following scene is. They are all standing there holding guns pointed at each other. And, and at each other! Well, now Not there's... all of them on him! Now, I thought, I thought that too. And then I thought more about it. And I understand it. I totally get the reaction of what the fuck, why aren't they all just shooting him? But they're all independent contractors. Whoever kills him gets the money. Uh... So that's why there's this standoff situation. It's not implicitly stated. It's a little bit demonstrated that that's how this yeah. works. Here's my, here's my pushback on that. Is that this is a film in which everything is always explicitly stated. I know! What the therefore, fuck, guys? Therefore... I have no option but to conclude that all hitmen secretly hate each other. <laughs> this is just, this is, a, like, it's like a competition thing. That's what it is. You know, it's like meeting in the dojo, uh, meeting yeah. in the alley out back of the dojo, right? Like, I can only assume that the organization decided, fuck it, we hate hitmen. Battle royale for everyone. <laughs> so they're all pointing their guns at each other. Yes. And and that bit, I was already cracking up because it looked so stupid. It does and look stupid. It's dumb. Well, it's 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 a subway car, so this is it's not a lot of space for four fairly large men to be holding guns at each other's heads. It's yeah. a confined space, so it's a little goofy. And then he suggests, you know, hey, who wants to die with honor, basically? <laughs> and. And they all give these sta like ridiculous staged nods to each other. Just unbelievably trying to look enigmatic. They're trying to out stoic one another. Yeah. And just and so they all put down their guns and it's just it's so dumb. But they agree to fight with the short swords that they're all hiding down their pants. Yes. Which sounded a whole lot better on paper than it does now that I'm saying it aloud. <laughs> like, they both, they all have double swords. First of all, dual wielding, never an efficient way to fight. No. For the best hit assassins in the world. Second of all, those are new pants the hitman <laughs> bought last night after leaving all these luggage in the hotel room. Are you telling me that he's so well prepared, he goes to every tailor in Russia and hides a pair of short swords? No, my guess is, if he were so well prepared, he would have a bug out bag prepared at every train station. And again, and again though, this is a film that explicitly says everything. Well, which leads me to believe... Hitmen, as part of their training, learned to shit knives. He pulled those swords literally and figuratively out of his ass. Because there's no other possible explanation. Not, because... in the, not in a film that goes to great lengths to explain everything we need to know. Following the logic of the film, he shat those swords out of his asshole. The hitman kills them all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> Ending with Black Hitman, who he kills with his own belt. 
Yep. He takes the belt off Black Hitman and kills him with it, choking him. Now, Witcher and his Interpol pat partner catch up with the Hitman and Nika. And Witcher stops the Hitman from killing his partner. And then Nika stops the Hitman from killing Witcher. Yep. And it's really just, it's not a he good says, scene. He says, you just saved your life. Yes. Now, cut to Yukov, who's ready to sweep everything under the rug and send Interpol on home, claiming the assassin's dead. But Witcher tells him to go fuck himself. Meanwhile, surreptitiously planting the hitman's listening device on him. Mm-hmm. And later using it to learn something about Belikov. But it's in Russian, and we don't understand it. Uh, this film does this at points. It's really interesting. Like, I, 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 on the one hand, I totally respect, like, the authenticity argument as to why, at some points, characters simply speak in Russian. Yeah. It does not, A, explain why characters whose primary language is likely Russian communicate in English when they are the only two people in a room. <laughs> Uh, but okay and they don't use subtitles when they do this which is you know uncommon but a bold choice and one that i would respect if it didn't so often leave me wondering well was what they just said really important because it seems like what they just said was really important and i need to know this in order to follow this plot is this something you're explicitly telling me do i need to know russian to fully understand the story of the hitman. Because that could take years. And I don't know if I have that kind of time. You're asking a lot of me, hitman. Yeah, uh, they, they demand much. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> and I should point out that there are subtitles used in like one scene. Oh, are, are there? I must. Have... Yeah, but only one scene. Ah. <sighs> Because who needs to conform to a recognizable style? <laughs> uh, so the uh, the military then comes and escorts Witcher to the airport. And he's, he's out of St. Petersburg. He's out of Russia. Yeah, that's he's, it. That's it for him. Game Goodbye. over. Bye-bye, Witcher. Get out of here. Now the hitman, he sets up a meeting with CIA agent and learns that Belikov was replaced with one of his doubles in a quiet coup. And that he and Nika are the only two who can know for sure. Now, if this is the case, I would like to point out, why is the CIA agent the one telling them this? Yeah. Like, how does he know? The CIA. Notoriously Uh, bad at intelligence gathering, by the way. I would say only that CIA agent knows, and he's Whittier's brother. Okay. And has the same magic powers. (laughs) So, the hitman offers to eliminate Belikov's brother, Udre, for the CIA in exchange for a favor. And the agent tells him of a meeting Udre will have with a German arms dealer named Price that he's never met before. Nika wanders around the hotel topless while the hitman does research. Yes, her her breasts are exposed for our pleasure. She's only in, like, a, a, like, a, a thong underwear situation. It is, like... They really just needed to show as much of this actress as possible, clearly. Oh, yeah, 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 because, I mean, we see this in many video game movies when they realize that everything's flagging and the audience will be bored. Uh, The breasts are exposed for our pleasure. So they have a fun day of shopping 
and a nice yep. dinner out at the same restaurant that this arms dealer Price is eating. And the hitman laces a drink meant for Price with something which makes him ill, and he's carried by his bodyguards to the bathroom, while the hitman and Nika play a fun game testing the hitman's powers of observation. Yeah, and the less said about that scene, the better. It is not uh, in the best taste. No, no, it gets... From uh, any angle, really. It's just kind of gross all around. Yeah, yeah, I don't like it. And it, I think it's supposed to be flirty, but uh, as it, that goes against his awkwardness with women thing that was established previously. That They went to great pains to include that totally unnecessary scene to demonstrate. So it's just a failure on every front. Yeah. Uh, he then very rudely leaves the table for the bathroom without excusing himself, shoots the bodyguards, and drugs Price. Now, after Nika tries to drunkenly seduce him in the hotel room, he drugs her too. Yeah, that's just his answer for everything tonight. Yep, and, and you know what? I think everyone was thinking, why didn't he just do... Like, he could have done that at any point. And, the whole, like, saved everybody involved in this film some pain. Yeah. So I'm really, I'm kind of mad with the hitman by this point. It just makes me, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed. He could have done yeah. this. He's let, the, the hitman's let us down by this point. Right. <laughs> the hitman meets with Udre, and despite being exposed ahead of time and being thoroughly searched, manages to kill him and his guards with his luggage and lots of guns. Yes, and I should point out that Udre is apparently the head of the Russian droogs. He's also a pretty crude, kind of not pleasant individual. Yeah, yeah, they show us that he's a bad guy. So yeah, they make it they make it apparent that he's not someone that we should feel any sort of remorse over the hitman no. killing him. He was gonna shoot a woman in the eye. Yeah, yeah that's no good. That's not a that's, that's, not a nice that's thing. terrible. That's a bad thing. Ah. So, um Whittier going through the hitman's old luggage from the exploded hotel room and muses over a key with an inscription from Psalms. So it's, you know, just adding another little bit to the mystery. And the hitman yeah. and Nika become closer on the road. And leaving her behind at a train station, he asks, you know, she asks his name, which is something he doesn't have. And the hitman, the people who raised him gave the hitman a number. 47. 47 and then everyone that our jaws drop in shock as we think holy shit it's the same one from the games what what a twist what a twist fucking hell but at least i could stop calling him the hitman yeah he's now 47 man <laughs> more markov meets with belikov revealing that he knows about the palette swap belikov gets angry with markov for failing to kill 47 meanwhile Witcher's superiors at Interpol are yelling at him for causing trouble with the FSB. When Witcher realizes that 47 used the death of Udre to drop Belikov out of hiding with the funeral. Now Markov gets captured by 47 in a really dragged out uh, creep scene. Yeah, yeah. And, and what follows is... 47 just being jigsaw for a minute just for a minute like, like just for this one <coughs> scene he is jigsaw 7 as he's like e and he even says more or less live or die make your choice yeah basically he puts markov into a bathtub connected to a generator and a timer and has a radio tape to his hand 
and he's told to order his men to kill Velikov at the funeral or he'll be electrocuted when the timer runs out. And at the funeral, with which you're in attendance, Velikov makes the call to his sniper in the final seconds to kill Velikov, and two shots are fired into the bulletproof enclosure protecting him, and chaos erupts as he's led out of the sanctuary. And so as Velikov is escaping with his bodyguards, one of the soldiers he's with is revealed to be... 47! Oh no! Who kills the other guards and takes Belikov to a, another private room, the Archbishop's Chambers, where yeah. he gets into a fight with another hitman in monk's robes. Oh yeah, I forgot about that bit. Yeah, I had to the <laughs> first two times I watched it. I was very surprised to discover it on third viewing. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. Uh, 40, so he, he, he kills him. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. At this point, you start to realize just how much like Charlie Brooker Belikov looks like as well. Yeah, a little bit. A little it's bit. not part of the plot, but that's what happens at this point. But 47 confronts Belikov, who offers to give him his life back. As like, like, Bel- like, like 47 had a life in, fr- I mean, his life as a contract killer, I guess. I guess that's the life. Yeah, a life that Belikov doesn't know anything about. Right. Again. As with everything, he's just completely accurately guessed everything. The 47 kills him. He kills him. And then a gunship helicopter destroys <laughs> the chambers. <laughs> and just shoots up Belikov's body and makes it really juicy. The 47 survives. And uh, as does a the seat that Belikov was in when the gunship... <laughs> Like cut everything else to pieces in the room. So he pulls him off the chair and he sits down and broods for a bit. Yeah, looking ridiculous in that weird sci-fi body armor, by the way. Yeah, it's strange. He looks like he belongs in the Doom movie. <laughs> he does, you're right, yeah. Wow. Oh, he'd have turned into a demon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd have been bald. I'd have finally gotten a demon. You'd have got. Oh yeah, you'd have definitely gotten a demon. So... 47's arrested by Witcher. Yep. And as they travel to take 47 to prison, Witcher is stopped by the CIA agent 47 earlier made the deal with to kill Udre, giving him an opportunity to escape and fulfilling the CIA agent's end of the bargain. Yep. And this brings us back to the present. Oh, d- did you forget about that, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Witcher and 47 are talking in Witcher's study. And Whittier laughs that he'd been played the whole time. <laughs> 47 exposes the corpse in the room, showing it to be a bald man, which he says is the man Whittier's been looking for, which means he can stop chasing 47. Finally, 47 watches Nika from a rooftop as she looks at documents indicating that she now owns a vineyard, fulfilling a personal dream. And the hitman looks down and sees another dead hitman. At his feet. Yeah. And says that he warned them to leave her alone. The end. And that's that's the end of the film. Oh, then God. some music happens and credits roll. Oh, thank God. <clears throat> so that was Hitman 2007. Uh, we are going to be back in our next section where we will uh, give our review-like thoughts. And I'm going to ask Conrad some questions about the film. So we'll be back in one moment. So, Conrad, did you like Hitman 2007 or not? I did not like Hitman 2007. I did not. That's a shame. Yeah, it's 
there it was it was just bleh. Like it was a thing mm-hmm. that existed. There were uh, there was clearly a budget at work. Uh, some of the choreographed fight scenes are not um, poorly executed, I should say. Yeah. Like I questioned the wisdom of that sword fight in the uh, subway car. Yeah, they wouldn't have been able to do any of that stuff in there. No, it's so uh, that that was that was a bit goofy. It is a film of very improbable. All of its action scenes are very improbable. Even by the standards of video game stuff. Well, and, and most of the problem is, is that it tries to set itself out to be a very serious film. Well, and everything it wants to else be a serious political so, thriller. Everything else about it is so improbable that I guess the, the strangeness of the fight scene should be the least of our, our worries yeah. there. But, um, well, I think the main issue is, like, you see, like, Street Fighter the movie. Mm-hmm. Everything in that's improbable. But it's a wacky comedy movie just like Rush Hour. Well, it's improbable with purpose, too. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, you know, when M. Bison is at his hover desk and it's the, the Street Fighter cabinet arcade sticks and buttons there, that works as a video game reference because the whole movie's a weird schlocky cartoon. When you see the two kids playing the Hitman game, it stands out so much mm-hmm. because this film wanted to be serious like Leon the Professional. Yeah. I, uh, that's very that's very evident. I the... like, it's trying to be a, a romp of a video game movie, but it wants to be so much more serious than that, and that's where the real disconnect comes in. Aside from the fact that everything is so rushed, the characters are so rushed, the story and its world are so rushed that I did not sympathize or empathize with anyone. No, I did because not. Because suddenly Hitman's here, we think, okay, I guess he's the protagonist, but. He's not exhibited... We've, we've had no chance to connect with him before his world falls apart. We've had no chance to connect with his world before it falls apart. So I've got no emotional investment in any of this. And uh, Nika, likewise, is a ca- character that's... You know, she's designed to be made difficult to empathize with early on. Uh, and then you're supposed to grow to care about her over time. Yeah. But she's just kind of... Boring? Well, I think the real issue is, is she's so confusingly written. Because they are playing her as someone who is constantly frightened and scared for her life. Right. While at the same time, having a nihilistic worldview where she's been through so much shit, she doesn't care if she lives or dies. Yes, You can't have those two characters together. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you could. You could try and like outlay how one one is a front and the other one is the real them. But they don't do that. It's just a, a switch on and off, depending on what they need for that particular dialogue moment. Not seen, because she'll switch back and forth in a single scene. Well, instead, she um, she's used as a character that attempts to assert control over situations by way of using her sexuality. Which, you yes. know, I mean, that's that's sort of the predominant theme. And when, that's not... When the breasts are exposed for our pleasure, yeah. Right. And so that... I, I think that's supposed to be a stab at character depth. But it's a very, very blind stab, and it's a cheap one. Yes. Um, and, yes. And, and again, I think it was just sort of the wrong direction. I, I think the romantic inference is the wrong direction to take this character relationship anyway. Yeah, but it, it is 
the obvious and standard and blatant direction. Yeah. So they jumped in that direction with both feet and a smile on their face. Because this, I don't want to say that anything would have saved this movie. Um, but it's something that certainly would have helped it, I think, is if Nika had been just not at all a romantic interest. You know, and she could still have tried. Like, you didn't even have to change her much to do that. Yeah. All you have to do is tweak the hitman a little bit so he doesn't react to it. So it's not something that you just you just have to have him be cold. Yeah. yeah was... And and I think that's another issue is that I like Timothy Oliphant. I think he's a good performer. He's charismatic. Um which is actually part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Because he's a charismatic man playing an antisocial cold hardened killer. And the result is a man who looks wrong in the suit because he doesn't... I don't know, you need to be a bit bulkier, like like the, the video game Hitman, to pull that look off. Otherwise, no matter who you are, and I noticed this with footage from the uh, the latter Hitman movie as well, if you don't get a rather, like, an older, grizzled kind of looking guy, you look like a, like a child in a man suit. Yes. Always. Every time they've gotten a live-action hitman, and it's not someone like... Like, if you were to shave fucking Vinnie Jones, he'd look all right in that suit. He might not look exactly like 47, but then again, neither does Oliphant or Rovers in the newer one. But they always look like a, like a 10-year-old boy in a man suit. And that's exactly what he looks throughout. He doesn't look intimidating. He looks confused and frightened all the time. Yeah. And... Because Oliphant is a naturally charismatic performer and he's trying to play someone stoic, it doesn't work. He doesn't have that stoic thing. And that's not a knock on him as a performer. That's just not his range. And he does not suit that role. And he, he suits the role of a cynical, cynical, jaded, um, slightly charming killer, which the hitman is in this film again when the line of dialogue that requires him to be that has him be that. Mm-hmm. And then he goes back to being cold and awkward and then back to suave and then confused, bewildered. Oliphant looks bewildered throughout this whole film and it's probably because he's remembering when he first read the script for the film. <laughs> so I will say Oliphant's performance is not good in this film and it's not a knock on Oliphant. It's... He that was not his role. Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty. He did not convince me that he was forty-seven at all. No, and and as and the film jumps around so much, um, going from its you know, the the Witcher, the Interpol investigation to yeah. the FSB and and the Hitman uh, doing their things individually. It it's it moves hops just one thing to the next to the next to the next to the next and it doesn't give enough time or explanation to what those individual pieces are doing it doesn't help that plot points are are abandoned as soon as they're no longer worthwhile uh in speaking of which i have some questions for you okay um because i know that you like i watch it the once and that's good enough for me and i know you watch multiple times and take notes for the plot summaries yeah so i'm thinking maybe you picked up bits i missed maybe maybe i don't know and can help me i would love to help you question one what happened to diane after the hotel 
Uh, is she ever seen again, or is she discarded like toilet paper? Uh, we we don't see her again. Right. So she is. She does this this important character building moment for her, where she breaks her own protocol, mm-hmm. and is there and is never seen again. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, okay. It's it's possible that she uh, lost her job, um, and. Could have lost a job, could have been killed. We don't know. Uh, could have escaped, we don't know. Yep. Doesn't matter. She's Doesn't not important. Matter. She is not of importance. Someone who is a fairly recurring important character in the game. And, and not, you I know, re- and, and someone correctly. that he's clearly worked with for a long time and has yes. a relationship on a level to which she would break protocol at her job working for a group of assassins. Yes, not important. Okay, I wanted to make sure that I didn't want to miss something plot crucial, but now I know that Diana in this is not plot crucial. No. Forget her. Fucking forget her. Right. Question two. Does Yuri just starve to death in the bathtub? I think Yuri is electrocuted in the bathtub and they never show it. So he did... He gave the order, right? Yeah, but I don't think that actually mattered. (laughs) So... I think he was going to die anyway. So we suggest that, that he did just die. Uh, that's, okay. It's my assumption. It's 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 my assumption. Because again, this but is again, a they film don't that explicitly tells us things that matter. So again, Yuri's it's, fate doesn't matter. Yuri's Yuri's fate is technically in question because we're never shown yeah. him again. Um, but because the film doesn't show him again, it's not important because they own, they they always show important things in this film. That's one thing we've learned. He put his hand in a nice fucking box. Right. So it doesn't matter. This man who had a lot of screen time and was. Really, before Belikov emerged, was the principal antagonist in a lot of ways. Don't matter. No. Right. I do like him. Throw him, him in the trash. Next. I I love the performance. Robert he, Nepper's great. He's really good at that kind of um, sleazy. sleazy bureaucrat yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, he was but the, it doesn't matter. He's the reason to watch the last season of Heroes. Okay. But, like, I couldn't even get through the first season. Yeah. Heroes. No. It's he's he uh, plays the. Uh, younger brother of a family-owned carnival that's collecting these people with powers oh it's he's he's a it's a highlight yeah cool yeah okay well anyway he doesn't matter anyway no he's not important throw him in the trash now here's my third question and this is the one that that really was chewing at me and maybe i missed it to be honest i was watching the film on uh in google chrome on amazon video and I tabbed out a lot. Yeah. So I may have that, missed right? it. Oh, look, in fact, I, I'll level I with you. The first two times I watched it, I was growing crops in Stardew Valley. There you go. So Better yeah. use of your time. Yeah. So here's, the, here's my third question. If Belikov died at the beginning of the film and was replaced by a double, mm-hmm. is that what happened or did they shoot the real Belikov? No, that's, that's what happened. He was replaced by a fake Belikov, yeah, right? Yeah, they they shot. Uh, yeah, Agent Forty Seven shot the real Belikov. The real Belikov. Okay, so I'm I am correct there. That leads me to the real question, mm-hmm. which is, who the fuck? Who who did this? Who is who is fake Belikov? Oh, just a guy, a drunk right. apparently. Right. Which is the only character development he gets? Yeah. Is that he's a fake Belikov and he likes a drink? Yeah. Okay, I wanted to make sure because normally, it, in normal films, when you've got a principal villain, you explain what the fuck. So In this film, it didn't matter. It was literally a film saying, here, 
have an antagonist. Well, and here's the problem with it, is that we never actually get to meet the principal antagonist of the film. Um... Or, or at least, at least, who's responsible? We never, we never learn that, and they, right. they do a really weird characterization of Belikov. I think that what the scene between Markov and and Belikov uh, in the room with the actual corpse of the the real Belikov there, and and so forth, where he's drunk and starts out speaking in Russian, and then they inexplicably start speaking English to each other. Yeah. Uh, again, that just drives me fucking batty. Which, again, bearing in mind, later on there is a scene where they're speaking in Russian with subtitles. <laughs> for the one scene that they wanted that for. But anyway, yes. So I, I realise I've made that scene even more infuriating. Yeah, <laughs> I, it really is. But no, the, uh, the, the problem there the is... The real that, antagonist. Well, I, think, I think they were supposed to try to illustrate uh, that Belikov was just this guy, you know, this du- that the double is just this guy, and so he's got these flaws, and and he's coming to he's come to realize the position that he's in, and now he actually does have real power because he is technically the guy. Now, how fucking dumb would you have to be because the guy who was the guy just a little while ago just got replaced by you, by other yeah. people. Uh, but it's the other people who are the bad guys. It's presumably uh, people involved in the FSB, the Soviet secret police. Yeah. Um, who we never see. Yeah, but it's it's government actors inside of Russia who uh, are worried about Belikov because he's exhibited a softening stance towards the West. <laughs> yeah, and the main problem with that is the film still pre- presents fake Belikov as the goal for Agent 47. He's the antagonist, and his death is what 47 wants. He's the target. He doesn't want to get any further into the conspiracy than that. He's the target. I would argue that the villain of the film is, is Markov. He's the one who knows what's going on. He's the one who's manipulating both sides. Um, but he gets ditched and forgotten about. That's the tragedy of this. <laughs> That's it. Doesn't none. It, the film's intentions are at odds with its actions so much. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't give us the payoff for the the villain like, that actually matters. The the villain that mattered is forgotten about long before the villain that the film makes matter is killed. He he doesn't even get a death scene. And the 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 gunship. The gunship. Totally unnecessary. Why? Why? Because they knew by this point we were asking too many questions. (laughs) So it's like, shit, the audience is going to be asking several questions. Let's give them something to really question. (laughs) It's like, let's just distract them. It works for Michael Bay all the time. Get a fucking helicopter in there, you twats. (sighs) I hate this film. I, I watched this film. With fairly no emotional opinions whatsoever, I I just I sat there and said, well, that was seventy five minutes of my life, or however long it is. That that was an hour and a half, or whatever. Okay, I've 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 done worse things at four in the morning. Yeah, sure, that's fine. But the more I'm reflecting on it now, <laughs> over the past hour plus we've just done together, 
I've gone from being completely indifferent to what was a fairly mediocre film to outrageously furious <laughs> at an insulting piece of trash that degrades its audience by simply existing. And I want my three ninety nine back that I used to rent it off Amazon Video. It, yeah, actually, I'm with you on that. I before we got to discussing how. Because, I mean, I knew it was bad, and, you know, I wrote this whole thing out, and there's all this list of things that are bad, you know? But, but, until you really think about it, and put it, all you, of the bad together... It's hard to appreciate, because the film is so dull. Yeah! It doesn't bear much thinking about, until you're doing a movie podcast, where the idea is to think about these films more than they should be thought about. And when you do that, you realise... Just how little the writers and director bothered. Just how little they gave a shit about making a competent film. And that really is angering. I'm angry now. If it makes you feel any better, it, it, it didn't make much money. I, I, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad about that. And shame on Oliphant for not looking at the script and saying, where's Diana? <laughs> Where's Diana? What happens to Yuri? Who well, the fuck is fake Belikov? And and for as much as they used Diana, they could have cast Diana, but they didn't. No. They didn't cast the Diana from the games. They cast a different woman who sounds similar. Sure. Just get the <sighs> Sounds similar. But I mean this is two thousand seven. Was was he doing he was doing Deadwood at this point, wasn't he? Or he just he just come off Deadwood. Yeah, I think Deadwood was maybe a little bit before this. Okay, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I'm looking I'm trying here. To remember when Deadwood was uh, out? 2004, 2006. So yeah, this would be the thing yeah. he did after Deadwood. Yeah, so this was hot off Deadwood. Wow. No wonder we don't see him very much now. Jesus Christ. He did this, then he did uh, The Office for a bit. He uh -huh. was in a few episodes of The Office. And that's all I remember him from. Deadwood, The Office, Oh, oh. Live Free or Die Hard was in there, too. Oh, yes. He was the, what was it, the main antagonist? It was, that was, in that 2007 was a, was a bad year for Timmy. Poor fucker. Wow. But, you know, it's his fault, because if he'd have just questioned a few things in that film, <laughs> if he'd have said, if he'd have stipulated in, in his contract, film must make at least a passing effort towards sense... Or I'm not doing it. It could have saved us all. Yeah. That's all I would have wanted. Just some evidence that the people making this film cared about making sense. But they didn't care about making sense. It was just, have some images. That's what the film boils down to. Have some images. Oh God, you know what's depressing about this? I'm looking at a photo of Oliphant uh, from the... Peabody Awards in May 2011, and you know who he looks like? Fucking he look like? Billy Zane. He looks Ooh, like yeah. a young, sexy again Billy Zane. Oh, I can see that, yeah. Oh, that's even more tragic. He could have been the next Billy Zane. <sighs> Maybe he still could. There's time! <laughs> There's still hope. There's time, Timothy Timbo! Could be the next Billy Zane. He'll, he'll not with a name like Tim Oliphant. God, I love Billy Zane, though. Oh, God, who doesn't? He's amazing. You show me someone who doesn't love Billy Zane, and I'll show you a sex pervert. 
I think we've. I think we've. Ex- I think we've. I think we've, <laughs> we've hit it. All the, we've said way more than needs to be said about 2007's Hitman. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, <sighs> when was the last Hitman film out? Uh, oh, the newer one. 2011, I think. 2011. Blimey, they didn't waste much time. Um, for some reason, I just assumed it'd be way longer before they touched that rotten heap of shit again. Um, oh no! Oh no! Oh no! It was just this year. This past year, it was 2015. Oh, okay. It was that recent. Oh god! Uh, oh, well, that's even worse. Yeah, don't worry. We're not doing that one next. No, um, we're gonna give that a little bit of a break. Um, <coughs> is it a reboot? I guess, or like just a, a new Hitman film? It's not a continuation of the last one in any way. Yeah, it? yeah. I don't. I think. I don't think it's in no way related. Probably. Yeah. Like I can't imagine anyone trying to untangle the ball of yarn that 2007 <laughs> left for them. Oh. Um, oh. Uh, okay. Um. Uh, What's apparently, up? Well, apparently there is a point at which the the name of the ICA is visible on the laptop in the film instead of the organization. So there's a discrepancy. There's a point oh. at which they were using the agency and then they changed it to the organization. Like, did, <laughs> did Eidos see a rough cut? And be like, oh, we got to distance ourselves from this. Um, this is ludicrous. Can we get you to change any reference from the, of the ICA to the organization? And given the way the rest of this film seems to have been written and directed, I wouldn't be surprised if the director just woke up one morning and said, what? Why are you calling them the agency? It's the organization now. You didn't tell us. No, I decided in my head. Right. You, you realize you've got to actually say things out of your mouth before we know what you're, you mean, right? Oh. Oh dear, then this whole film is fucked. <sighs> anyway, start calling it the organization now. Shut up, Timothy. Stop complaining. You didn't stipulate any contract. Any of this had to make sense. If you stick with me, kid, you'll be the next Billy Zane. <laughs> so, uh, Action! Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's. I'm sorry. I would like to apologize to anybody <laughs> who. And some people do. Who watch they watch these. the films in advance just for this show. Yeah, I was... that's not worth your time. I, I I also would like to apologize. Have you have you have you now changed course? Have we changed course now? And we're officially not advising people to watch the movies ahead of time. Oh no, they've still got to watch them. I I, I apologize. Don't mean it. So <laughs> so what are we going to watch next time, Jim? Next time, the and, and this is this might surprise you because I'd forgotten its existence even though I went and saw it in the movie theatre and was a huge fan of it at the time. And from what I remember, it was alright because it followed on from the anime, which was a lot of fun. It is Pokemon, the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back, two colons. Fucking tragic. But we're going to watch the very first Pokemon movie. I'm excited. How's about that? Yeah, that's gonna be fun. I, yeah, you wanted something that was a, a gonna at least be a contrast to yes. all of the gr- broody grimdark. Yes, that we've had. I in think this. that's what I want to try and do. After we ended up doing three zombie films in a row, um, I want to try and get things alternating. So we had Doom, and then we had you know a fun film with Street Fighter, a comedy just like Rush Hour, and then fucking Hitman. And then we go light and breezy again, and, and hopefully we can kind of just monkey bar it like that. Yeah, I don't know dark, if the balance is there. Eventually it will just go full dark again, yeah. and, and we won't get out of it. But, but that, from a continuity standpoint, in terms of the progression of this show and our slow descent into madness, 
Yeah, that's, that's going to work. It's going to be real good. Yeah, like by that time, by the time we get to Blood Rain 3, we're just going to be screaming and crying <laughs> at each other. So, so that's something to look forward to. But you've got two weeks from now, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, the next uh, movie boys will get back together. And we will be discussing Pokemon, the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back. Until then... Hang on. You do. You ever can do when you do an intake of breath, and you can feel air getting trapped. In oh your yeah, yeah. And you know a burp's gonna come. Out. Right. So you just gotta kind of stop because otherwise you'll just go next time. <laughs> there we are. I hate that. Um. Sorry, I completely threw myself off. <laughs> Until next time, uh, you can catch uh, more of us at uh, Fist Shark Marketing, which is a podcast we do at an improv comedy podcast. Uh, it's better than. Hitman from 2007. I, I really like the that. last episode that we did. It won't. It'll be the one, not the one that's out when you hear this, but the one before. By the time you hear this, I think mm-hmm. most likely, unless something horrible happens. What's the name of the episode? Um, vessels. There we are, vessels. That's... I'd forgotten what we'd called it. Yeah, what you what, what you called it, vessels. Um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, you can like, look at that at fishshark.com. You can follow uh, Fishshark Marketing on Twitter. You can follow Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman, all one word. That's right. And you can follow his YouTube channel, which is also Conrad Zimmerman. You keep it's bringing that up. You keep bringing that up, like as if you're trying to like, browbeat me into actually doing some content for if, it. If if I keep mentioning, <laughs> you'll place Belonky with Jordan again. <laughs> And then I'll have my morning show back. <laughs> uh, but yes, um, do follow Conrad. And uh, thank you, as always, for supporting this show and Podquisition, Gymquisition, and everything else uh, through Patreon or just through listening and sharing. Uh, we will be back with the next episode of the Spin-Off Doctors slash Movie Boys, uh, where we will be discussing the first Pokemon movie. Until then, see you next time. Bye. Bye.